was Phi Beta Kappa when she received her Ph.D. at Yale. She's been a fellow of the American School of Classical Studies in Athens, a teacher of archaeology at Stanford, a member of the Institute for Advanced Study at Princeton. Well, if I go on about Dr. Brand, we'll never get to the Declaration of Independence, and I know she's far more interested in our doing that. So let's take a look at one of the most remarkable documents ever produced by humankind, the Declaration of Independence. But let me digress one minute more. With this recording, you received a booklet containing the text of the narration you'll be listening to here. Now, Dr. Brand is not a lightweight thinker, and neither is the Declaration a lightweight subject, so the text isn't simple, nor are the ideas it contains. Let me make a suggestion. The first time or two you listen to this recording, read along in the text of the narration. This has a synergistic effect. It also puts arguments, explanations, and other matters into perspective, establishes clarifying relationships, and generally helps one's thinking. Do this a few times, and you'll be saying along with President Lincoln, I never had a feeling Like me because I 
this great I don't like me, I don't like me Because I I don't like me, I don't like me Because I I don't like me Because I Well I don't like me because I <laughs> But you know I'm somewhat uh, taken back you make me so great that I have hard time to find the ground again <laughs> Could you could you give us a demonstration of the different styles of the different periods in music uh, yeah, that's a very interesting subject I do it very informally and we might get something which is not too bad. Yeah. Uh, Bach is uh, a composer where not two pianists agree how he ought to be played, but uh, certainly his uh, style shows a great, great clarity of structure together with an unmatched uh, sense of proportion and beauty of melody. What is missing in the terms of modern music making are great dynamic contrasts. The music flows on like a, a beautiful creek. The harpsichord that I'm playing is seven feet long and it's shaped like a grand piano. It's uh, that type. It's painted a uh, deep now uh, turn to mm. one of my great favorites Mozart. darker than royal blue. It has gold decorations. It has fluted, six fluted gold legs. The soundboard is painted with wildflowers and hummingbirds. Why are harpsichords always so fancy? It was a fancy time. The But I'd like to give another example from the same sonata, showing how different Mozart is. And this is one of my old, old favorite pieces. It's a so-called Turkish Period. march. People loved to decorate. The music is is decorated with ornaments. Ornaments are trills and little extra things that go on top of the melody. Um, All those little things you hear in music of this period. Uh, and now here is a melody ornament.
Now, the composer, in this case Couperin, a French composer, uh, he put a little sign over certain notes, different signs for different ornaments. Most of oh, you do, but they do have a lot of fun. There's Jan beating the bass drum, making sounds with his mouth like this. Boom, boom, boom. Now, uh, what are we starting out with, Grover, and just about what, what's happening now? Well, why don't you, uh, why don't you sit down and feed the piano out and, uh, and get used to the piano? Well, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I never need that. Well, no, I don't know. You don't know me. Well, uh, I had, uh... When you were a kid... When you were first starting out, you were from Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And uh, you were unusual among jazz pianists because uh, you were classically trained. Yes, uh, yes. Well, I uh, I was born in and around music. I might uh, use that term because uh, my mother was an organist and uh, my father played cornet. I just wanted to learn piano, but I really wanted to know trump, play trumpet first because it was cornet then that my father had. I wanted to play the cornet, and uh, and I had an idea of what I would like to play on that cornet, but it used to hurt me behind my ears. Well, when I learned piano, what I wanted to play on that particular instrument is what I played on piano. So oftentimes they used to call it trumpet style on certain things that I would play. Well, can you show uh, show me, say, uh, what the trumpet style was uh, with the right hand? Well, you see, when we were playing with bands at that time, it was... Uh what we used to play then. Then uh, the bands got so large and these halls were so big that I was constantly drowned out because we had no amplification. The singers used to use megaphones. Of course, the brass and, and the reed instruments didn't have to worry about being heard. So in order for me to be heard, then I started to use what they call the octaves. And then I can dig and hear me that same thing. was uh, 
much easier to be heard when they're playing that particular style. So they call it trumpet style, and uh, when I went to uh, Chicago, I ran across a guy named Armstrong, and he was playing what I really wanted to play. That's why we became such close friends, because we had the same idea and the same conception of uh, chord structures. Before we get into Louie, when did you first hear jazz? Well, it wasn't called jazz then at that time, Grover. It was called syncopation. That's what they called it then. They had no name of jazz. Jazz didn't start until we got around Chicago. And that started among musicians because it was pertaining to everyday life. And uh, so uh, anything that was jazzy was happy. school in Shenley High School at night my relatives night took me to a restaurant once and uh, downtown I'd never been downtown as far as uh, uh, being out at late at night well this I heard this music foot tapping upstairs and I heard this particular type of music and I said see that's strange but it sounds good I said, what is that up there? He said, oh, it's a nightclub. And they uh, took me upstairs to the club. And he was this little fellow sitting up there. He was a humpback type guy. And he was playing a little tune that was so fascinating to me till uh, his hands weren't much larger than mine. And I was a youngster at that time. So he was playing the, this old thing called... Before you go on back to this little humpback type of guy, would you uh, right now uh, uh, take uh, Squeeze Me and uh, and show us what you did with this tune? Well, I, uh, later on, then of course, this is I said before, his hands were small, so were mine at that time, and I had to use that same way of playing. But now it's a little different because my hands are larger. Dental health is up to you. 
We all require healthy, attractive teeth, just like those of the children you are seeing.
sitting in front of an organ that has two keyboards and one row of foot pedals. What's the, uh, the advantage of having extra keyboards and extra pedal boards? What do you pick up? The advantage is being able to vary the sound very quickly. Um, to be able to contrast the sound, for example, to play an accompaniment figure. six compositions that are called trio sonatas and the gimmick of this kind of composing is to write three different melodies all at the same time one to be played in the right hand one to be played in the left and one to be played in the feet on the pedals here's an example from the trio sonata number five in C major you'll hear the right hand enter first and it will be answered by the left hand and the pedal comes in scalar passages to fill out the sound and to enrich the quality. think that being able to uh, be one person and creating so much and so rich a sound would be really exciting. Yeah, it's more than being a symphony conductor, for example, because as an organist, you make all the sounds yourself. You don't have to rely on other people to make them for you. And you, by using your feet, you've got uh, the possibility of playing more notes at the same time than a pianist can. Uh, it's a totally different kind of experience than anything else I've ever found.
Black, Black Plastic, MutinyRadio.fm. Welcome to Garage Sale Special. Thanks for listening. Go to the donate button if you're looking at your screen, whether it's at home or you're on the bus or in your car. When you stop your car, go to the screen and hit donate. Because we need it. The rent went up, the water went up, everything goes up, up, up.
in the eyes of numerous people, the emblem of sacrilege, the burning of human dwellings, and of the horror of torture. And the senator went on in his speech to criticize the administration for the conduct of the war, and to criticize his colleagues in the Senate for allowing it to continue since the war had never been formally declared as the Constitution requires. Does this sound familiar to you? The Senator declared as the Constitution since the war had never been formally declared as the Constitution
My name is Herbie Hancock. I have another name too, M1 Dish. Do you think of yourself as a piano player or as a jazz musician and a composer? Both. Just like I have two names. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to know when you first started composing music. The very first composition? Yeah. The very first composition that uh, I wrote, I wrote with uh, my sister. And it was called Summer in the Country. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> and I was about 10 years old. It was something like a Summer in the country We'll have a lot of fun Something like that. But at that time, I wanted to be a songwriter. I'd never written one song. So I, in order to be a songwriter, you got to write a song. <laughs> so I wrote a song. <laughs> to get around on the instrument happens in, in your brain and it has to do with uh, uh, your determination to be correct on the instrument. And then what? Then you, gotta learn, then you have to know how to feel the music, you know. That comes from living. I even, even had to find methods to, to learn how to swing, for example. What swing? Okay, I'll try to swing as little as possible at first, and then I'll try to swing as much as, as possible. Thank you. 
young uh, student of, of piano right now, so you have a boy who's been playing or a girl who's been playing a couple of years, strictly classical music, and he hears jazz or rock or pop music and would like to improvise, what is the best way for him to really start getting into loosening up and learning how to play? He should just... Fool around on the piano, mm -hmm. or whatever instrument he's playing. Just fool around on it for about six months. Uh, not try to to uh, get a teacher to show him theory on the instrument. Just fool around on it. Try to find melodies yourself. Just try picking out melodies yourself. Well, in the meantime, while you're doing that, I would say listen to a lot of music. Listen to a lot of music. Whatever music you like to listen to, listen to it. Try to find melodies yourself. Just try picking out melodies yourself. Well, in the meantime, while you're doing that, I would say listen to a lot of music. Listen to a lot of music. Whatever music you like to listen to, listen to it. You want to open with music? Is that? Yes, sir. Okay. Hold. Uh, essentially, we've got. Piano. Bass. And drums. You see, when we play a ballad, uh, for the most part, we play it that way. And um, uh, even if someone heard just the piano and they heard it in this way, we're fortunate enough that that has been recognized and identified as the Shearing sound. Thank you. 
did you start out as a classical pianist and later uh, make the transfer to jazz? Uh, I had classical training. Uh, I learned the classical music by Braille. And when I left school at 16, my teacher told my parents that for me to continue studying classical music would be a waste of time. And I disproved this. <laughs> yes, but I disproved this by studying classical music. And so I say to all young people, continue your study of music in as well-rounded a manner as possible. Because after all, if you get a tune like, uh, for instance, is almost classical harmonization of that tune. You certainly don't want... It's too much, you know, it's, it's just uh, too much whipped cream on the fruit, you know. And so this is afforded by a good, well-rounded uh, education. So continue in all areas, you know, classical and jazz. Uh, have you done any, this is an off-the-wall question, you can <laughs> survive if you want, but it's always a nice one to throw in. Taking something like the uh, a typical Bach chorale, could you try experimenting, even making up a tune or something like that? And just seeing where we can go from the basic four part of it into, say, the, the trio sound. Oh my goodness, <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. Let me see whether we can do that. Why don't you call me off?
you are right. And I fear there's big trouble ahead. Black Classic, new radio, that FM. Make 
not talking to another snake, but is warning you to stay away or he will strike you with his deadly fangs. Strangely enough, he probably can't hear his own rattle since he has no ears. probably can't hear his own rattle, since he has no ears. As we entered the mountain forest, we discovered the secret nest of a great horned owl in the dense branches of a tree. When we approached, the loud snapping of the powerful beak warned us to stay away. Upland meadow, a killdeer runs in short bursts through the damp grass, expressing his excitement as he searches for food.
along a stream form favorite hiding places for the song sparrow. But when the male wishes to tell the world of his nest territory, he flies off into the highest branch. One day we were on the marshlands near the Great Salt Lake when we disturbed a bird on its nest among the reeds. This large brown bird called a long-billed curlew flew up from his nest into the sky, giving a cry of alarm. It was also a cry of help, help, help. Because soon the male bird came flying overhead and the two of them circled around us giving these cries. Soon they moved down to the ground where they began to drag their wings, pretending they were broken. When they had lured us to a point about a quarter mile from the nest, both birds suddenly flew up with a great cry of triumph and relief. We got rid of those two bums. Draw. 
to it and that's what's happening now.
there are a lot of young people now that are right at the beginning stages of thinking about doing music. Maybe they're thinking about taking up an instrument. There are people who have taken up an instrument and wonder what kind of a future is going to wait for them if they wanted to do it seriously. What would you say to those people? Try to be president of the United States. <laughs> think that might be easier, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, music is a rough business and everything, and you either got to be crazy or really love it. It's just like being on the football field. You weigh 175 or 160 pounds. If you really love that sport, you you know you don't mind seeing you know Buck Buchanan or you know someone <laughs> that weighs 500 pounds. If you really love it, you'll be out there doing it regardless. So it's, it's worth the, same the pain thing. to get to the pleasure, right? never really thought that maybe I should have been something else. It's always been, I want to play, I want to play. It's the love within, you know.
Next, we place our microphone against the wood of an old barn. And here are the termites, or white ants, sending signals to one another down their hidden tunnels. front wings together to sing a song of love to the female. However, you are not hearing the sound as the female cricket hears it. Its strange ears in the front legs are capable of hearing much higher frequencies than our ears can. By slowing the speed of the cricket's song, we begin to hear some of these sounds. That was the same sound, but at one-fourth the speed. Now at one-eighth the speed, we can... But at one-sixteenth speed, we hear most of the high notes with which the male sings to his mate.
Look out! You had better move when you hear that sound, for the rattlesnake is not talking to another snake, but is warning you to stay away or he will strike you with his deadly fang. Black Black Plastic MutinyRadio.fm They're gonna treat us like brother. of Africa that is the same. I am my grandfather. If I am my grandfather, or rather my great-great-grandfather, I came to America in the hold of a ship. I came in chains, stripped of my name, of my language, of my tribal ties, stripped of my identity. For I left it back there with the bright birds and the mango trees and the red soil that were all so much Now as your great-great-grandfather, why did you go? To be sold on board the Georgetown galley lying at Franklin's Wharf. Sundry English servants, men and women, well recommended, indentured for four years. If this was you, you were bought and sold too. But only for four years. And you spoke the language. You kept your names. You formed a new life here based on the one you left. But what are those of you who came later? Why did you come? Ireland had been hungry those years, with potatoes all we ever had on our plates. Then in 1846, the rot got to them, to the potatoes. And then there was nothing, nothing at all. We sent the old folks out when winter come to beg and get along somehow, trusting in someone's mercy. But in the spring, they never come home. Half a million of us died. But some of us made it here to America, selling our huts for the price of passage, sailing away from the famine, 
fading away from the grid. Our lawns have dwindled. So many sons, each the doom of others. For the land would not hold us all. We left for America. A little sold fish, a bit of cheese, a little butter. Run along, monkey, and find your organ grinder. He'll know what you're saying. <laughs> I have been here in California now for some 20 years. First cooking for the gold miners in Hangtown. Now this little restaurant. I live alone and weep alone. But at home, in the province of Kwantung, oh, you know, you know, my family stuff, flourishes. But after I tested my parents are well, real, I headed straight my ancestors here. are Captain pleased. And we all lost that rich. one of us. I am going to want to get up to Samir Pearl River Delta for myself. and the rich plateaus with the green rice bending this way and that with the wind. And in between, I think we can wait until the morning. Pears and peaches and lychees and my own small home in the Misty Valley. I want to get back up there where the gold is. Look, I'll see you back at the mill. I'll see you slowly into the air and then let's wild high from the mill. Fade as they themselves fade from sight in the southern sky. And watching them be like the outcrops of granite there, bound to the earth. But it was our earth. It's gold, real gold. brown and gold with the purple holes and the holes pushed here and there. And maybe a little fir tree to know yourself by. Sure enough. That song With the white topped mountains right. and the fleet desert of so excited. And then the fertile plains and my home. 
Then one day, while I was still a boy, so my young Petros, you will say goodbye to me now. Will you be gone so very long? Who knows? Do you? I haven't had much sleep since Marshall brought loose of the gold. Frankly, I worry about what may happen to the settlement if this turns out to be a big gold strike. Gold does strange things to men's minds. It may be hard to keep them at their jobs if they should get gold fever. Oh, it's not really a fever. It's just how we describe someone who can't think of anything else but finding gold. I've seen men leave their jobs and homes and families and everything else to run off and search for gold. Yeah, I hope so too. Particularly with the men working on the sawmill right now. It will be finished in just a few weeks. It has to be. around while I was waiting. There's even more gold than I first thought. See? Look, you can see it on the ground right over there. Oh, yeah, it's right out on the open ground. Come, let's take a good look around here. Understand that get 
will finish is more important than all the gold in the world. Men, men, and I don't want a lot of people tramping up here and getting in your way. So I want you to promise me you'll keep any talk of gold to yourselves for a few more weeks until the mill is finished. to that. If you'll not mention gold until the mill is finished, I'll double your wages. Yeah, how about that now? Ah, good. It's a deal then. Now, back to work. Uh, I hope so. I'm counting on the fact those double wages will look better to them certain amount of gold. So far as they know, the handful of dust found here at the mill will be all that's in these hills. and shovels. I mean, I suppose when all these men go rushing up the river, they're going to need some tools to dig with, won't they? Don't worry about it. Things are going to be just fine. 
Sam Brannan was right. That's all it took to get the gold rush started. Gold. Gold. The word went round the world, and by 1849, thousands and thousands of people were rushing through San Francisco and up the river to Captain Sutter's Valley. Many came across country by covered wagon. Many others came by sea, and ships were left sitting empty in San Francisco Bay as their crews left with the passengers to go search for gold. And just as John Sutter feared, the gold rush changed his dream forever. Yes, this is the finish for Fort Sutter. No one is working in the fields, hides are rotting in the tannery, the mills are no longer running. Everyone is off looking for gold. What can I do? All the good people act like they've gone crazy. And the whole countryside is now full of bandits and murderers. They have stolen everything worth stealing and killed all my cattle for food. And a new trading center has been built closer to the river. A new town called Sacramento is there now. Nobody comes here anymore. I suppose I'll just leave Fort Sutter for good to Hawk Farm, my ranch on the Feather River a few miles from here. I am too. Goodbye, my friend. Goodbye. Even though John Sutter himself made a lot of money from the gold rush, his business associates soon cheated him out of most of his fortune. And the new United States government refused to stop other men from taking over land he thought Mexico had given him years before California became a state. In 1866, Sutter moved to the East Coast to be close to Congress, which he hoped would pay him money for the lands he lost. For 14 futile years, John Sutter pleaded without success. On June 18th, Congress was finally supposed to vote some money to Captain Sutter to pay him back for all he had lost. But in the rush to adjourn that year, Congress forgot to consider his case. Just a few hours later, after hearing the bad news, John Sutter was stricken with sickness and died at the age of 77. Although the gold rush of 1849 was a personal tragedy for Captain John Sutter, it proved to be a blessing for his beloved California. Many of those who came in search of riches stayed to make California a great state. The gold found at Sutter's Mill helped make the struggling young United States of America a rich and powerful nation and helped pay to support the Union troops through a costly civil war. So more than he knew at the time, John Sutter's gold strike was helping him to realize his hopes of building a strong new country and becoming an historical pioneer.
Sixth land was never known. He fought and had passed over it, the sword he surely won. Spoke without any trace of a Midwestern twang, never kicked a dog in the ribs, never lost my temper over inanimate objects. What's a, a normal day like for you when you're zipping around the world, giving concerts? It's not any normal day when we are zipping around the world. <laughs> it's, not, it's not such thing as a normal day, because every day is a different thing. But the system gets used to, and... Uh, it doesn't disturb Again, much. listen to Bing Crosby of after the Christmas of 1959 off, yeah. and never ever hit a woman in the face. If I have a headache, I don't take I thought I'd straight. come a long way in reshaping my total persona. I had absolutely no idea who I was, but I knew for sure I wasn't here. Then in the fall of 75, I discovered a bottle of Juanitos tequila, pure white. I just stumbled across it like what you do some women. Did he manage to outlive his sad father? Is there a big difference? It's certainly different because there's communication with the audience that doesn't exist when you are alone. And I am one of those who really believe that is a terrific help to have an audience there. I love the audience, and uh, I feel them. This is uh, this sort of excitement, this wonderful rapport, this is a great, a great communication with the audience, and that help for the quality What's of the performance. Some squabble over a woman, I think. Of course, of course. Who's so the story goes. Mozart. Who was the woman? Yeah. <laughs> Who's your second favorite? Serafina Flores. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why is Mozart your favorite? Can you say? No, I can't. I, I, I just can't explain. You know, this is uh, this is the most beautiful music in the world. It's nothing. Uh, it's, it's something exceptional. Everything's there. Without causing. And finally, this is a question of affinity too. I know, but...
you better get your ass out and eat. Let's go, boys. Oh, we got the fish, uh, french fries, hush puppies, coleslaw, red beans, and blackberry cobbler. And I ride no pain. And I lead no damn. Born in Montana, for this road, I pull a hand. I wait in the coolies and they wait in the draw. Backs are all matted in the tail of our rock. Get around, little doggies, get around, damn slow. <coughs> Fire is snuffy, a rare and true gold. Oh, hell, John. That's why I'm making a giant TV. Oh, Sam. When we went to Denver, fire is snuffy, a rare and true gold. And I. Put it on my pony and leave it from the start. I'm a bones to his back on our faces to the west. We'll ride the prairie we love the best. Get around, little doggies, get around. The ego mechanism, the controlling network in the brain is called the default mode network. It's a network superimposed on other networks which basically censors what enters consciousness and what does not. A psychedelic um, tends to disrupt this controlling system in the brain, reduces the blood supply to it, and it's rather like a government or a conductor in an orchestra. When its con repressive control is reduced, all the parts of the brain start to communicate to each other. Instead of being a limited form of communication between permitted networks in the brain, suddenly you have, it's like anarchy. So we have new brain cells functioning simultaneously. And with that comes a lessening of the control of the default mode network, which is used to be called the ego. So you have less and repressive control. Black Blast, immunityradio.fm.